Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe's Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. I'm Will Vandervoort, and I'm joined by former Clemson linebacker LeVon Kirkland, an All-American at Clemson in 1991 before moving on to an 11-year career in the NFL, including 10 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. In this week's podcast, we'll discuss who's the better Heisman Trophy candidate, Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne. Also, after Clemson's 42-17 victory over Miami last week, is there anyone in the ACC who can compete with Clemson right now? Speaking of Miami, me and LaVon will break down the Tigers' big win over the number 7 Hurricanes, and then we will wrap things up by looking at Saturday's Georgia Tech game as the Tigers get set to travel to Atlanta to take on the Yellow Jackets at Bobby Dodd Stadium. But before we get to all that, let me tell you about BetOnline.ag. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaches props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Levon, how you doing, man? How you doing this week, buddy? Uh, I'm doing well. How about yourself, my friend? Oh, man, I can't complain. I tell you what, uh, what a great weekend for you and me, right? Uh, because uh, not only does Clemson win, and I got to ask you about your Miami buddies, um, mm-hmm. uh, but then our Steelers go in 4-0. Now, can you believe this, man? I thought you guys would have been 4-0 when you were there, but 4-0 for the first time since 1979. We were never, we were never four and zero. We always started off kind of slow. Really, a lot of times we'd be either, you know, one and one or one and two. We always start off slow, but then we'd get our stride and we would play well. But yeah, four and zero for the first time since nineteen seventy nine. That's crazy, that's man. Yeah, yeah. But well, me, me and you were like kids then, you know. Yeah, Not saying yeah, we're yeah, old, yeah. but you know, we were kids then. But you know, I was like, look, I was like the Dallas Cowboys at that time, so. Oh boy, man! Why'd you go and tell me that, man? Well, you know, you know where I was from. You only saw the Dallas Dallas Cowboys, so mm-hmm. that was the team you kind of root for. But hey, I changed my ways now. Yeah, you did, I'm, man. I'm, I'm growing you, up now, you saw the light. You saw the real America's team, which is Steeler Nation. Yes, you know they drafted me. That was one part, but you know I actually wanted to play for those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talked to Coach Cower. And I was going through the draft process. I was like, man, I want to play for the Steelers. And I don't know if I told you this, but when I went to the bathroom before the 38th pick, I was like, they're going to pick me. They're going to pick me. And they did. So so I've been a Pittsburgh Steelers fan ever since. Man, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. And that's a good reason to be one right there. If there's any yeah. any reason. Mine's blood, obviously, uh, my family being from the Pittsburgh area. So it's kind of in me. Right. But, uh, but man, that's a better reason, in my opinion, than blood. You know, I'm just saying. Um, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I converted a lot of people in my family to be Pittsburgh Steelers fans, too. So it, it worked out. So all the Kirklands are Pittsburgh Steelers fans. So if I got one nephew who actually turned into a Philadelphia, a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Mm. My, and he's also a South Carolina fan. We, we didn't raise him that way, but he yeah. turned on us. Yeah, I got I got a brother who did that because he liked yeah. to tease me 
And so he decided he was going to be a Cowboys fan. He's the black sheep of the family, as you right. know. Normally and, they are. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And then he like, you know, he doesn't pull against Clemson, but never pulled for Clemson either. And mm. so he just liked to poke at us and everything. So, oh. you know. He needs, he needs to join the bandwagon now. <laughs> I think he has, actually. His daughter is actually a big Clemson fan. And he sent oh, me okay. a picture a couple of weeks ago. Uh, during the Virginia game where she was holding up her Tiger Paul and everything. So I think because of his daughter, he's starting to pull for Clemson. So at least he's starting to see the good side now, right? He's starting to see the light. That's all. Sometimes you got to see the light. He didn't see the light. So he's seeing it now. Absolutely. Speaking of Clemson, I know Mm -hmm. your boy, Leon Searcy, was giving you uh, trouble last week. He was kind of talking some junk to you. So did he ever call you? He never called. He, He did text. But it's a very, he just says silence of the lamb. <laughs> because let me tell you, he called me like maybe Monday or Tuesday of, of last week talking about how his canes are back better than ever and that Clemson's going to catch an L. And he couldn't wait. And I'm like, okay, you know, and I was telling him, I'm like, you know, they look really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they look like they're, you know, they were definitely going in the right direction, trending in the right direction. But um, I didn't hear from him. that Saturday. I tried to call him. I tried to text him. Couldn't hear from him. From him. So I, I thought it was kind of funny. And, you know, it's just I think the fi- Miami fan base, I think the I think the world, whenever Miami is good and they're showing signs of life everybody tends to jump on their bandwagon because they remember yesteryear Mm -hmm. and how good they were back in the day. So anytime a Miami team starts off 3-0, 4-0, that little run they had a couple years ago, everybody is on Miami and they just loving it. And we all, and Clemson always seems to crush them Mm -hmm. every single time. So I didn't hear from Leon Searcy haven't heard from Leon Searcy. And if you hear, if you see Leon Searcy in the greater Miami area or Orlando, please let him know that his friend, his teammate is looking for him. <laughs> and for those who out there listening may not know, uh, Searcy and LeVon played together with at the Steelers and um, they, you know, obviously had some good years there together. But, uh, you know, I think LeVon's winning that rivalry right now with three straight wins with the yes. Tigers. And kind of speaking of that, you know, the performance off of that game as we kind of dive into that a little bit. First of all, Trevor Lawrence was magnificent again. He he mm-hmm. did all, all the things you need him to do in a big game to make plays. Um, thought the decision-making was, for the most part, right on. He had one bad throw, but he got away with it. And then yeah. – um, and then Travis Etienne was Travis Etienne again, just doing his thing. So before we start really getting too far into this, I wanted to ask you, man, because this has been a subject out there I've heard locally and I've heard it nationally. You know, right now those two guys are running neck and neck as the leaders for the Heisman Trophy. So if you had a vote, man, today, who would you pick to, to win the Heisman Trophy? You're going to go with Trevor Lawrence? You're going to go with Travis Etienne? Man, that's a really that's a really tough question. It really is because you look at Trevor, and Trevor really is the can't miss top draft pick in the NFL twenty twenty one. I mean twenty twenty one. There's no question about it. He's a guy who's going to go off the board right now. He has all the skills, 
He's thrown around a 73% um, percent at this point in time throughout the four games that they played in. He looks poised. He looks collected. I mean, the guy can do it both as far as running the ball and throwing the ball. And he's becoming a leader for that team. But then you look at Travis Etienne, and I think Travis Etienne is maybe the heart and soul of the Clemson football team, especially on the offensive side. You give him the ball and magic happens. Uh, that run that he had for the long touchdown when he gave the guy a little bit of a dead leg, a little stutter step, and he just took off on the sideline. And to be able to stay in bounds that close was incredible at top speed. And then the other run he had, he didn't score. He almost scored when he hurdled the one guy and then he hip tossed the other guy. This guy has scored 39, you know, 39 touchdowns in, you know, 39 games. Mm-hmm. I've had like 149 yards uh, against Miami, two touchdowns. And it's really hard to say which one I would vote for, to be honest with you, because I love both of them. I think they are probably least top five in football because, you know, some teams haven't played yet and you haven't really seen those guys out there. But this duo is incredible. And I think for the Heisman, they definitely both should probably, at this point in time, definitely be invited. But I would probably go with, um, gosh, this is hard. This is really hard because <laughs> my heart and soul just loves ETN, but my mind is saying that Trevor is going to win it. I think Trevor's going to win it, but I would put my vote in for Travis. I just think that he's a dynamic back and that he's uh, once in a generation back. You're not going to see him uh, for quite some time. And they both are, but man, I just love the way Travis runs. I think he runs with, um, he runs with speed, but definitely runs with power. Uh, he's a guy that once he gets on that second level, it could be a touchdown. And I haven't seen a guy like that since maybe Barry Sanders that that has that kind of a presence about him. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. My The way I look at it is my vote would go definitely to Travis. Um, now, maybe I'm a little biased because I love running the football. I love right. the running back position and all that comes with it. Um, but when I look at just the pure talent and the way he affects the game, um, he affects the game in a way where defenses have a hard time trying to scheme it. Uh, Manny Diaz said the other day, um, that they tried everything they could to take him out of the game. But every time Clemson found a way in different ways to get him the football, whether it was on a screen pass, whether it was out on the pass in the flats, whether it's throwing the real route down the sideline, which if he catches that, he lost it in the lights. If he could have found right. that ball, that's a touchdown there. Um, and then, of course, he goes for the 72-yard run when they think they got him stopped, and he just does what he did there. Um, and then I, I love that you brought up when he hit through that guy to the ground. Oh, yeah. To hip me, tossed him. That's a wrestling move. That, yeah, that was the play highlight. I thought of the entire weekend, no matter what in college football, and ESPN didn't even show it. So I'm like, did they even look at the highlight films for Clemson game? Because that play, him hurdling a guy and keeping his speed, keep in mind, he ran another 20 yards after he hurdled the guy and then takes that one guy and just tosses him to the ground like a rag doll. Yes. That was the most exciting play I've seen in years. I thought that would be the top 10. Yeah, easy. Plays of the week, uh, plays of the day. And they didn't even show it, just like you said. And I'm like, 
do you know how hard it is to hurdle a guy during a game? I've done it before. And when you land, trust me, you're not running as fast as he did. And for him to keep in stride after he hurls a guy and then have the power to toss another guy, that's incredible. You don't see that every day in a running back. And it's amazing what he's doing out of the backfield. He's catching the ball very well. He can make plays. So, yeah, you try to stack the box against him. And honestly, that doesn't really work because you can, like you said, you can put him in different areas of the of the field and he can make a play happen. And I've been told a long time ago, it's not the X's and O's, man, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. And when you got a guy, when you got a Joe like that or a Jimmy like that, <laughs> um, you become a better coach automatically. Yeah, and I love what what Tony Elliott's doing with him. He's he lined him up on the boundary. He lined mm-hmm. him up in the slot. He had him right. in the backfield. He had him in the pistol formation. He had him alongside Lawrence. And those are all the different ways he threw the football to him. I mean, that, right. that's every single one of those positions I just named where he was located on the field. He got targeted. Um, so yeah. that's just how they used him in the passing game. And then, of course, how they use him as a running back, you know, and making sure he's getting that 15 to 20 touches a game as a running back and then right. getting another seven or eight targets as a wide receiver. If you're a defense coordinator, you just don't really know what to do with the guy to try to stop well, him. It would be really tough to game plan for him. And, you know, and a lot of times you can really, you know, if you got a running game, you can say, hey, let's just stack the box and we'll we'll live with it. But uh, it doesn't seem to work. And Miami coming in seemed like they had a pretty good defense. And they had some guys that can get after a little bit. And the one thing I liked about this game is just that I thought Clemson really was a more physical team. They played with a chip on their shoulder. And it really showed up on the defensive side, especially when you're talking about the DBs and what they did. They really made some plays. And that was really refreshing to see. Um, they figured out that the Miami receivers were not that great and they could just man up on them. And um, King just had a tough time getting the ball to him. Even on the 50-50 ball, the guys, you know, um, the Clemson DBs were winning at all times. So it, it was really cool to see us play with a chip on our shoulder. Yeah, and, and I think that chip showed, and it kind of leads us to the next part of, of the show. We talk about Miami was supposed to come in ranked number seven. You talked about it a little bit earlier. Everybody's talking about the U is back. They're playing right. great defense. They're running the football. They got this dynamic offense, you know, and they're going to give Clemson a challenge. This is it. Game day's there. You know, how's Clemson going to stop De'Eric King? And then by the when the game starts – LaVon, I'll be honest with you, it was over with eight minutes and 41 seconds to go when Clemson went up 14 nothing, because it yeah. was that obvious then that Miami could not stay with these guys. Am I right? Well, when you take the first drive uh, that Clemson did, and a lot of times if you're on defense, you want to be out there first. You want to stop them first and show your presence. But I guess about uh, – let me see how many – how long did it take about a good five minutes off the clock? And they just drove the ball down on them and scored that first touchdown. Um, As a team coming in and you're the underdog, the worst thing that can happen to you is that your team gets pushed around 
and they get physically dominated and you score on them first. Mm-hmm. That's tough. And then you come back and they do like a 16 play drive and they just drive it down their throat. I mean, it was, um, it, if you, if you're a purist like me, you are, it is good football to see. It, it, it was good to see that Clemson didn't have to rely on their big playability that they've done in the past few years. They were able to just really drive the ball down and physically take Miami out of it. And if it wasn't really for a block field goal, Miami wouldn't have, I mean, it would have been over. It, they wouldn't have been close, even though I thought, just like you said, that first drive you kind of saw uh, the dominance of Clemson and what they had over Miami. But that's what that was the two things that really impressed me, the long drives. And that takes the energy out of a defense because defense, like we always talk about, defense is energy. And when you can take the energy out of defense, man, it's a long day. And the funny thing is you can know what's coming but still can't stop it. And it, and it really looked like, that on Saturday that maybe I know Miami was, was a little confused, but physically Clemson just drove it down their throats. And for defense, man, that's just hard to swallow. And it gets frustrating. It, it does, and that leads us to, to, to kind of say this, okay, granted there's going to be North Carolina, maybe an AC championship game. Clemson's got to play Notre Dame down the road. Um, there's going to be a couple more challenges. Virginia Tech is not a bad football team. They got to go there. But I asked this question, is there anybody in the ACC after what we saw last week that can truly challenge Clemson right now? Or is this really just kind of Clemson just kind of go through the motions and go on and win another ACC championship? Well, I, you know, I think anybody can get beaten. And as you saw before, against Syracuse, against uh, North Carolina last year, against NC State uh, a couple of years after before that, that any team – that doesn't play their game can get beat. Penalties, turnovers, things like that. The law of momentum, if it's not working your way, you can lose those games. So can Clemson get challenged? Yes, they can get challenged. But I dare say this, if Clemson is playing their best game and the opponent is playing their best games, the ACC foes they have, I don't see anybody beating them that way. If, and that is if Clemson is on their game. Now, they can't go through the season just, you know, just showing up. But if they play as focused as they were against Miami, it's going to be hard to beat them no matter who the opponent is. Wasn't it scary, though, that they did play well against Miami, but they also had three missed assignments caused three blocked field goals. They also right. had a couple holding penalties that killed drives that probably could have gone for touchdowns. One would have been right at the one-yard line uh, sure. going in if it's not called back. Um, the defense did have a one have a couple busts where, you know, one mm-hmm. was a long run and then one was a long pass. So there were some things where the coaches can say, hey, look, you know, you can coach off of these. So the scary part I guess I'm asking is as dominant as they were, they still didn't play their best game. And that's probably if you're an opposing team is what's got to be so scary about this team, right? Yeah, I would think so. And, you know, as a coach, you're always looking for things to teach and things to coach, even if your team is winning. And because the thing about winning, it can make you a little, it can 
you know, guys tend to relax a little bit. I think this game, they were really keen, keyed and really focused because all the chatter that was going on from the Miami side and from the fan base and what they probably heard on social media. Mm -hmm. So they were a little fired up. Is in that moment, can you find the teaching moments to express to your team? So at this point in time, you really got to move on from this Miami game and really get on to the next game. And you got to say, hey, our special teams didn't play well. You know, we got to do a better job here. We got to do a better job recognizing trick plays. Um, you you got to continue to harp on the little things and being disciplined and being gap sound and making sure that you're running the routes correctly. So although you won the game, you have to be able to teach something to a winning team. So I'm sure that the, that Coach Sweeney and the rest of the staff are really keying on, you know, being better than what they did against Miami. When you look at this Miami game, when I watched it and I went back and watched it the other day, you know, when you see a game on tape as opposed to what you see in person are two different things. You know, you start seeing some things that, you know, they could do this better, they could do that. But when I went by and I looked, I said, what did this team really do well? Um, First of all, I loved what the tight ends did. I thought the tight ends had yes. a great game. Uh, mm -hmm. Davis Allen, um, you mentioned earlier the 72-yard touchdown run by Travis Etienne. But if you look at the block, Davis Allen. Tremendous does, block. Uh, yeah, it, it, it allows him to spring. And, and, you know, Dabo said this week, you know, Davis Allen reminds him a lot of Dwayne Allen. I mean, great mm -hmm. compliment there to be talked about because of his physicality and his ability also to get down the field and make plays. You saw all the right. touchdown pass, the 22-yard touchdown pass down the seam. I really like that young man to complement what Braden Galloway's doing. And Braden's getting more physical. He's becoming a little bit more of a blocker than he was mm -hmm. when he first got here. And so, but of course, we know what he can do in the passing game. So I really liked what they did with the tight ends. I thought they really exposed Miami like we thought they could at the linebacker's position. Yeah, um, we talked about that. We did. And so that happened. Another thing I liked is what Brent Venables did with his scheme and you and me are both defensive guys we're both like the guys that like just hit people and just watch people get physical and from the outset very beginning he brings the house and he mm -hmm. basically tells Derek King we don't think your receivers can beat us and we're right. just going to come at you no matter what the entire game no matter what you do we're going to keep coming at you and I thought he did a great job from right from the beginning attacking the football and then just getting in the quarterback's head right off the bat. What were your takes from the win? Well, I take that first play, and I like a lot of times of those RPOs and those little play actions, they like to read the defensive ends. And I like the fact that uh, Spectre gave him a false read. And when he gave him that false read, he read it like they tell you to do it. But there's a little gamesmanship between the players. And I like the fact that Spectre gave him a false read on that. And he was supposed to pull it, but then Spectre kind of changed the game a little bit and hits him directly in his mouth. Trust me, that has an effect on the quarterback. When you're bringing, showing him different looks and you're doing not so much the conventional stuff that you usually do in football. And I think a lot of times you have to do that. You can't – nowadays, these quarterbacks are so well – I guess I would say well-studied or they just understand the game. They understand coverages. They understand what the defense is doing. So 
how can a defense counter that? Well, they just got to show them things that they haven't seen before. They got to do things that normally will trick their reads. And I think that Clemson does a great job of that as far as some of the slanting inside and bringing one guy and delaying another guy. And if you don't have any receivers that can get open and make some plays downfield, you're going to have problems because he's going to be what we call proactive and he's going to come after you. And you can say what you want to about the linebackers at with the Clemson University team. These guys are all pretty much alike, especially the inside guys, but they're very effective in this defense. You know, probably you would say standalone talent-wise, they are maybe not that impressive, but they work in this defense. And they, you know, having Davis back at the defensive tackle means a lot. It does. Now there's another guy who can hold up against a run and get some pressure in the quarterback's face. And for a quarterback like that, who's a little bit 5'10", not quite six foot, and trying to see over all that chaos, it's tough. And like I said, from the, from the bat, you get hit directly in your mouth. Yeah, man, that, that plays in your head. That plays in your head, and they just kept putting on the pressure, putting on the pressure, showing them different looks. He didn't get comfortable, but the kid was tough. I mean, he he able to scramble a couple of times and get out and make some big plays, but they were bringing the beast on those guys. They were bringing the dogs, and when you do that, man, most offenses are going to have problems moving the ball down the field, and they had problems moving the ball down the field. Clemson came out, and uh, not a surprise. We we pretty much thought they were going to do this. You were going to see them come out with a a dime look, and and they mm-hmm. did. With uh, had three safeties back there. I thought right. Jalen Phillips played outstanding. Um, the mm-hmm. way he played, and I thought just um, the way he came in, a guy who hadn't played much this year comes in and looks like he's been playing all year. Uh, just was a great call by Venables there. Uh, Landon Zanders, he looked like our boy Troy Palomalo, the way he was flying around with that hair everywhere, you know. Just he does. I mean, they came on a deep safety blitz one time, like he was so far back on the deep. I mean, he was at least 10 yards back, right? And as soon as man, he he tattooed King, he, now, he got the pass off, but he tattooed him. And oh, yeah. I mean, he felt that. And I think for the rest of the day, he was thinking, I think that was like maybe on the first drive, but those two guys in particular. And the whole back end, you know, the corners, everybody played great. But those two guys and the way they played the run and the pass, and especially with the blitzes they did, uh, mixing those guys up, I thought was just outstanding. I thought so, too. The only thing that was Xanders, I think he has to be a little bit more disciplined with his eyes because they caught him a little bit as far as that. When they threw it to the tight end, he threw it down to the other tight end, and Mm -hmm. he kind of got in a panic a little bit. And that's really just kind of, I think, game reps and understanding your position as a safety and how you have to make sure that nobody's beating you deep and that you're just not falling for the old okie doke. And uh, you can see the talent. You can really see the talent in the back end. You can see those guys being able to make plays and really being a, they're going to be a strength of the team at some point in time. And, and it was really good to see that young talent really play with all that energy and all that fight. And once they understand the game a little better, they're going to do some special things. And they could, you know, this week they're going to try to do it, keep it going this week against Georgia Tech. 
This will be a, this will be an interesting game for me. Dabo, I liked what he came out and challenged his team right away on Sunday afternoon when he met with the media, and immediately he says, "Hey, look, we played good. I was proud of my guys. They played hard. They played good. But we got to play better against Georgia Tech. I want to see my guys go out there and play better than they played this Saturday against Georgia Tech. Immediately before the week even gets started, already challenging his team because I, I'm assuming he's probably looking at the way we do." You know, you don't, he doesn't want them to rest on their laurels. He doesn't want them to start right. thinking they, you know, they're playing a two and two team, a, a team that they should have no problems with. They're, you know, four touchdown favorite, you know, on the road. Um, immediately challenges them, says, okay, go show me you're a four touchdown favorite. Go play right. better than you did this week against Miami. You're all hyped up and all for a top 10 matchup. And yeah, that gets you hyped up. I want to see that same energy against Georgia Tech in Atlanta at Bobby Dodd Stadium, right? And I think that's the challenge when you talk about a team of Clemson's caliber going against a team like Georgia Tech, who had like a three and nine season last year, uh, brand new offense, uh, guys that wouldn't really fit in the scheme. And can they go in there focus? And can they go in there understanding that, okay, yeah, we may be playing a team that's not as talented as we are, but can we play to our level? And I think that's really the challenge when you're talking about coaching a team of that caliber is making sure that they play to a certain standard and they don't play down to their opponents. And we've seen that before where a good team goes into an arena thinking they're going to win the game and they play down to their opponent. And what happens? They have a dogfight in the fourth quarter. And a lot of times they find themselves playing from behind or find themselves on the ropes getting roped up and trying to get out of that situation. <laughs> so I think that's the challenge with this team. And people keep saying, well, the ACC isn't this or the ACC, how will they compete with Clemson? I don't think it's so much a when you talk about Clemson or any team that's a great team, it's more of carrying their standards to wherever they go. Can we always play to our standards? And if you can do that, then you probably have a great chance to win in the big one. And that's really what's important, win the big one. But in order to do that, you have to take care of the next game. So you must keep everything in its proper perspective because if you don't, you have that North Carolina game you play and you're fighting for your life. Or you have that Syracuse game where the law of momentum is on Syracuse side. So I, I think as a coaching staff, especially as a head coach, you have to be aware of that and you have to relay that to your leaders and have them take ownership of that and relay that to the rest of the team. So it'd be interesting to see what Clemson does when they go to Georgia Tech this week. Georgia Tech on, um, you know, we're just kind of a little bit here. Uh, when you look at them defensively, they, they play a 4-2-5. Uh, kind of that's their base defense, which means basically it's a nickel defense. Right. You know, I guess when you're playing Clemson, probably the best defense to start out with, you know, because, you know, you're going to have to do it anyway against them um, because of the way Clemson's going to spread you out. But they give up a lot of yards. They've given up over 430 yards a game, I believe. Um, you know, they've gotten better, but you've seen Central Florida kind of just go up and down the field on them uh, this year. You know, you saw Syracuse do the same thing to them up at the Carrier Dome. Right. Um, you know, when I look at this matchup, 
I don't know if there's a way Tech can actually stop Clemson. This is one of those games, like you just said, sort of, they kind of don't know how to beat themselves. They got to just go up there and take care of business from an offensive standpoint. Is that is that how you see this matchup? Well, yeah, I think you put Georgia Tech in a dilemma, you know, because if you say, well, we're going to go into 4-2-5, and that's usually really good against the spread. Now you got one of the best running backs in college football back there. And you, you don't think that they see don't see that and they're going to be like, hey, let's give it to our guy. And he's going to make plays. And he's going to get to that second level. And then you're going to get worn out. So I think from a defensive standpoint, um, you're going to have to do something that really try to eliminate what Clemson does best. And that's run the football. And they do, even though it looks like a spread kind of trick them offense, it's really an uh, offense that's capable of running the ball and pounding you. So I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough. Uh, for Georgia Tech, it would be tough for Georgia Tech, even if they had the horses up front, if they had the guys. And let's be let's be honest, they don't really have the talent and they don't really have the manpower to face a Clemson. So to get into something like a 4-2-5 is probably your best option. But boy, it's going to be tough. I, I think it's going to be tough for Georgia Tech to really stop them either way. But you got to do some things that maybe is confusing. You try to get Trevor off his spot a little bit and you try to force some pressure on him and bring some different things. You overload. You try to confuse the offensive line as much as you possibly can. But, you know, doing that on the defensive side, because the defensive side is so much about energy, one of those long play drives, man, can wear you out. <laughs> and, you know, if your offense is not doing its job by getting some drives and getting some points, it can be a very long day for Georgia Tech. And I really – and I predict it was going to be a very long day for the um, rambling rep. Yeah, and, and the the flip side of it, the, the Clemson, this this is a – sort of reminds me a lot of the Miami matchup from a defensive right. standpoint. Um, that they, they play the same kind of offense as Miami when you look at a lot of – window dressing if you will um you know so a lot of motions and things of that nature uh they got a a, a dynamic quarterback a freshman quarterback oh, yeah. uh, and he and he's he's dynamic he can make some plays and he's going to um they got a great running back who i think is probably probably on pace to be the freshman of the year in the acc um yeah. and so they got two good players there in the backfield that i think could give you issues i think because of what they have at running back. I think they might be a little bit better in the backfield overall than Miami. Um, mm -hmm. But I think if you're Brent Venables, don't you kind of got to scheme it up the same way, test that offensive line, see if they can make reads and make plays, um, and then go, go get after the quarterback if you can? Well, they made some improvements on the offensive line by bringing the kid from Vanderbilt and kid from Tennessee, I think. Mm -hmm. So they're a little better than what they were because when you talk about Johnson – when Johnson was a head coach, you know, he recruited a certain type of lineman. And that lineman was built for the option, um, what they did as far as the option game was concerned. Now you got Coach Collins, who he wants to change the philosophy. He wants to be more dynamic. And I th and like you said, with this Sims kid and uh, also with this Gibbs kid, mm -hmm. they have a foundation where they're a little bit better as far as playmakers out of the backfield. Uh, yeah, I, if I'm if I'm 
Venables, you're definitely probably coming at them that way. And you probably could show them some wrinkles that they haven't seen before. And for a young quarterback, I think that's going to be problematic. I think it's going to be where now he has to read and now there are things coming at him on the run that the offensive line may may not pick up. It's going to be difficult for them. And although they have done very well with the opponents they have played, you got to look at the opponents they played. I mean, they played Louisville. Uh, defense is not that great. They played uh, UCF. They played Florida State. Let's be honest, those defenses are not scaring anybody at this point in time. So they have done well against those guys. It's going to be another thing to see what they do against a caliber defense like Clemson with a coordinator that has probably been one of the best defensive coordinators in quite some time in um, NCAA football. So it's going to be a challenge for Georgia Tech. I think I like the direction they're going as far as their team. And I think they will get better and better because they're going to bring in better players, more ACC caliber type guys. But at this point in time, I think it's going to be just difficult for them to uh, win against Clemson. And I think the, I think Gibbs is going to have a tough, I mean, Sims is going to have a tough time recognizing the different defensive schemes that Venables is going to throw at him. So it's going to be a tough day for those guys. Yeah, I happen to agree with you on, on all those accounts. And it's going to be a homecoming for Trevor Lawrence, a homecoming for a couple other guys. Clemson recruits the Atlanta area well. So those guys are going to want to go and play well in front of their families and friends and everything like that, that uh, whoever they can get tickets for to get them in the game. I, I right. talked to Trevor Lawrence about that this week. Hey, look, man. COVID's going on. There, you know, it's a limited crowd. I, you know, how many tickets you're going to get? He says, actually, I'm going to probably have more tickets than I had a couple of years ago because, you know, they're giving us more tickets at Clemson. So he says that's two more people than we had a couple of years ago. And then they're going to, he says, he's going to try to get with some of his teammates that uh, don't have any family or anything coming. He's going to try to get their tickets as well. Right. I'm yeah. Sure so I'm sure he got about 30 or 40 tickets already that he's going to be using. So, and you just hope that's not a distraction for him. But yeah, I, I don't see it being one. He's pretty keyed in and what he's doing. And he's, like I said earlier in the maybe two podcasts ago, it's like he's been in the NFL. He came back to play at Clemson and he's showing all the different things he learned from the NFL. And um, he's playing at an incredible level at this point in time. Yeah, absolutely is, man. LeVon, that, that's it, man. That's all we got this week. Uh, another great podcast, man. Appreciate you, dude. I, I appreciate the listeners out there. And guys, if you could just uh, you know keep downloading us and, and, and telling your friends about us, uh, give us a rating and send us a review. We greatly appreciate it. We appreciate you listening. We, we hope you come back and listen to us next week. Until then, I'm Will Vandervoort. That's LeVon Kirkland. We'll see you um, at Inside Clemson Football with LeVon Kirkland. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.